Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to The Catch with John Fisher on Blog Talk Radio, connecting life to faith. We're just trying to get it together, trying to help the fellow Good evening, everyone. This is your host, John Fisher of The Catch, uh, found at catchjohnfisher.com. And uh, that's where you can sign up to get The Catch every day, five days a week, free in your email box. Those of you who still do that kind of thing, um, we'd love to have you sign up and join us. at uh, Catch Radio is a chance to meet live with some people who uh, I meet and get to know. Other pe- times it's people who have been recommended to me. But uh, uh, this time tonight is very special because uh, this, is, <laughs> this is our first on-location uh, blog talk radio show because uh, I am in... Uh, not in. I'm not in sunny California. I am in uh, cloudy, drizzly uh, Rochester, New York, right now, where it's about 46 degrees, and um, I am at Roberts Wesleyan College, and I've been here for three days, uh, and uh, doing going to be doing chapel. I did a chapel on Monday morning, spoke at chapel, and then we'll speak again tomorrow. And uh, we thought it would be great to uh, do, since I'm here anyway, do the Blog Talk Radio from here and have as our guest a chaplain at Roberts Wesleyan College, uh, Jonathan Bratt. So, Jonathan, welcome to Blog Talk Radio. Well, thank you, John. Appreciate it. <laughs> it's, it's great to have you, and it's been great to be with you again. Uh, gosh, I think we've, we've been, uh, I've been here, what do you think, Four or five times, maybe? I think I've, you've been I here uh, probably three times since I've been here in the uh, eight years that I've been at Roberts. But uh, I think uh, oh, yeah. uh, I'm, I think you mentioned that, you know, over the last 20 yeah. years, you might have been at Roberts four or five times. So, Yeah, that's true. Definitely, yeah, definitely before uh, going way back. But uh, I appreciate since you've been here, and I, I, I appreciate you brought me in three times and and uh, uh, having the opportunity to share with students and walk around and get to know them, it's uh, it's been fantastic. So uh, you've been you've been chaplain for for eight years, is that right? Uh, that's correct. Eight years here at Roberts. Yep. Yeah. And have you um, was this your first uh, experience, uh, college, university experience, um, or or have you had any uh, before this? Uh, well, well, I was in the pastoral ministry for uh, 21 years, but when I was in uh, Dearborn, Michigan, I actually taught uh, at Spring Harbor University out in Michigan oh, yeah. for their kind of for their degree completion program. So, uh, more of adult students uh, in that setting. 
Okay. Well, how, how is it? How how do you like how do you like hanging out with students versus uh, uh, a congregation? What's what's the difference there? <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think uh, uh, obviously uh, one difference is uh, there's more of an age uh, uh, specialization there. Um, I, we have students of all ages, but most of them are the bulk of them would be in that at least undergraduate students would be in that uh, 18 mm-hmm. to 20, 24 age group. So it's a, a select age group as opposed to, um, you know, what you'd have in a con- congregation as a pastor with the whole gamut. So that's the most yeah. obvious difference. Yeah. Uh, do you like, do you like the kid? You must like the kids or else you wouldn't have been here for eight years. Um, yeah. I, well, I mean, I think, you know, for me, I find that they're at a certain place in life. Um, they're questioning. They're open in a different way than the average congregation. Um, they're asking questions. Um, you know, some don't care about things. Some do care about things. And uh, you see a big change in students even between their freshman year and their senior year. So it, it's a cool time of change. Yeah, I'll say. I'll say. That must be really important. I, I, I know that's what I love, just being on campus, uh, the opportunities I've had uh, to be on any kind of Christian college campus is that the kids are, uh, their minds are are not quite made up yet. And uh, they're willing to think through stuff and and maybe unravel, unthink some stuff. You know, I, I remember uh, reading once that one of the jobs of a, of a Christian college is to actually help help students who have especially who have come through the church to actually um well I say they had a name for it and I'm not sure I even remember it now but it, it's a it, it's a kind of a to deconstruct maybe that is that the word deconstruct their faith and 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 put it back to, together again do you think do you think any of that yeah, I think- goes on um, yeah, I think that's language that's used uh, sometimes. Sometimes it's used quite disparagingly. Sometimes people will talk about uh, young people going to college and having their whole worldview deconstructed, and, and sometimes mm-hmm. it's not back together again for people. Um, but I think that's yeah. one of the, the goals of the Christian college anyway is not to just tear apart a world, but to make them think through it in different ways than perhaps they have before and to see how that relates to other worldviews and uh, to come out with uh, a greater understanding um, of yeah. why they believe what they believe and what it is that they believe and, and, and how does that fit with, you know, their relationship with, with other people who believe different things in the world. Right, right. What, kind of, what, what percentage of students come to uh, Roberts Wesleyan from Christian homes, would you say, and, and some of them even from uh, Christian schools prior to this? Do you, know, do, they, do you know that about that? Do they have percentages on that kind of thing? Um, I'm sure admissions has data on that kind of thing. Um, I, I know that when we do surveys, uh, just in general, I would say that you'd have about 65% of our students that would say, you know, they – uh, they would answer any questions on a survey like, do you do Bible studies or prayer or do you go to church every Sunday, those kind mm-hmm. of things. That would be like a 65% kind of answer. And then 
Uh, others might consider themselves Christian, but they might use that term more in a way that I'm an American than I'm a Christian or, you know, those kinds of things. Yeah. Uh, um, but um, so it's hard to know exactly which ones come from uh, evangelical homes or certain traditions or whatever. Yeah. But I know like at Roberts, we have some 50 denominations represented. Um, so even what that might mean to students to be a Christian might mean something different to different ones, depending on where they've come from. Right. Right. Well, I think, you know, um, when you think of it, when I think of a Christian college or uh, to me, it's just a, a, a simple, it's an environment where you have a lot of Christians in one place. And um, it, it would seem to me that uh, obviously there's some good things about that. And, um, I'm not even sure we need to discuss those because they're they're going to be obvious in terms of faith building and encouraging and uh, uh, coming alongside people who are trying to put things together uh, in their faith. Maybe they're not, you know, some of them might even be new Christians or they might have, you know, grown up in a Christian home, but uh, they're struggling through it all right now. Um, though all those would be... Uh, I think very positive uh, experiences, but uh, what what are some of the negatives um, that you know of in, in having, you know, so many Christians in in one place? Well, that's interesting. Well, I think if you ask students that question, sometimes I, I I'll often go to like a Bible study or a small group kind of thing that students have, and I often hear from students that they'll say that sometimes when you live in a place where it's assumed that everybody is a Christian, then you get lazy uh, mm-hmm. about that. It's just assumed that everybody is. And, and, um, and so, um, you, you know, you can come to chapel and so maybe you don't have to do your devotions or, or, you know, Oh, you have new Testament class today. And so, you know, oh, maybe I don't need to go to church because I'm getting enough, you know, during my week or whatever. And so, you know, I'll hear some students talk about that phenomenon, that sometimes when you're gathered and you feel like um, you're in a school in an atmosphere where there's so much going on and so many other Christian people that there's support for that, that it sometimes can uh, uh, lead them away from an individual devotional life or at least to make them think they don't need that because they're around others that do that. Or it can lead Mm -hmm. them to think, oh, I don't need to be part of a church fellowship at this point in my life because my school really is that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of that that goes on. Um, You know, I've often said that if, if someone, you know, we, we constantly hear, I remember, you know, at Wheaton we heard about people, you know, coming to uh, Wheaton College and losing their faith. Um, quote, those are the way they talk about it. And, and I'm sure that happens at every Christian college. I have a tendency to think if someone comes to a Christian college and, quote, loses their faith, that I, w- I would be inclined to think that they probably are just finding out the truth about themselves and that that may they may may have not really had a faith at all to lose. And uh, uh, what, what do you think about that, that kind of? Well, 
Yeah, well, you know, I think there's probably some different phenomenons that happen. Um, what you describe is one of those that, you know, maybe some people come from a place where they've always seen themselves and called themselves Christian and they come and they compare themselves to others. Um, and they say, wow, I'm not that. And so uh, they determine that maybe that's not what, or in their studies, maybe they use some other kinds of things, read some other things, you know, uh, challenge mm-hmm. their thinking a little bit and go, wow, I don't know that I believe those things that I always thought I believed. So I, I think that's one phenomenon. I think the other struggle with all this, I mean, sometimes we get, you know, you'd expect at a college, you know, we're supposed to be able to prove that we do what we say we do in people's life. And at Roberts, we say, you know, hey, we, we have scholarship and we train our students to have a service mindset and we do spiritual formation. I think one of the challenges mm-hmm. of of spiritual formation at a college is, I mean, these are only four or five years of a, of a student's life. And they're, they tend to be years that are very um, fruitful in terms of their thinking and their thought life. And uh, a lot of change happens between 18 and 25 in life. And I'm not sure that all that gets resolved. And so, so it's hard sometimes. Sometimes I think, that a student might leave a place when they're 22 and say, well, I lost my faith, meaning that I'm not sure I'm where I was when I came here, but we may not see the whole story until they're 28 or 32, Um, Mm. you know, because they may still be processing things and they may not, I mean, you can't force everybody to like learn and be spiritually formed in four years. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, it, yeah. It just doesn't quite work that way. From a from a, a leadership from a Christian leadership point of view and a faculty point of view, um is there is there a, a conscious um uh I want to say uh, attempt to um to almost play you know devil's advocate in a way to to make people stretch, make people have to work through their faith rather than rather than to just um you know uh feed what they already know um is, is there is there an attempt to 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 push push people beyond their comfort zones and stress them because they're going to have to be out in the world to do that anyway it seems to me yeah. yeah i think I, I think as you might expect, um, we have a lot of different professors and just like parents have all different kinds of methodologies for raising their kids. I think mm-hmm. teachers have kind of different teaching styles. Um, some of them would mm-hmm. be more of the devil advocate kind of person who's always, you know, challenging and always, some of them are more, uh, loving mothers who just lead and guide, <laughs> you know, through yeah. learning new things and that kind of thing. So I think there's various ways that goes about, but I think your point that there's an intentional effort to um, help grow people and help challenge people's thoughts and at least have them think through, uh, you know, why they believe what they believe. And I don't think you have people here that are just trying to tear things apart on people and go, ah, you never thought through that, you know, and so, mm. Um, mm. you know, that's bad or that, you know, so I think there's a, a graciousness in most of our faculty. Mm-hmm. They're here and they want students to grow in their faith. And so they're going to help them. And, um, you know, I think as they 
have their teaching style and as they work with students who have different learning styles, they may have different methods of, of challenging different people at different times. But but I do yeah. think there's a value in the Christian college environment where we say we value questions, not just answers. A lot of students are Great. usually coming in with, with, you know, what's the answer to that question? Well, it's Jesus or, you know, it's the Bible, <laughs> you know, or whatever, you know, the very yeah. simplistic answers to questions. And, um, mm-hmm. and, and so I think there's a challenge to say, hey, let's think about that. And it's okay if we don't have all the answers. And sometimes we learn and grow through engaging the questions. Yeah, that sounds great. That's great. Um, I, you've been at, you've been at Roberts now for eight years. Um, can you, uh, can you see any changes over those years in students, uh, from when you first came to where they are now? Just types, types of students. What's going on in the world, you know, in terms of, uh, how are they, how are students different now than, than they were eight years ago? Yeah, um, yeah. I think it, it is amazing to see. I mean, I even I talk with resident directors who are people who were our resident directors. You know, are the ones who live in the dorms. They tend to be young people. Mm-hmm. They live in the dorms, and they're kind of like the dorm mentors or whatever. But uh, most of them are, you know, just a little bit. They graduated three or four years ago, and so I hear from them that they see a difference and students coming in at 18 and 19 that then they see in themselves who are like 25 or 26, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And so I know there's yeah. been a change in that. I mean, some of the things that I see, you know, the, uh, there's much more reliance on, um, you know, technology, the phone, uh, it's more in yeah. people's hands 24 hours a day than it was eight years ago, even when I came. Um, and more of them have had, the phone in their hand for longer. Um, so, you know, maybe when I came um, eight years ago, students got a phone when they were 16. But now that they're coming in, they've had a phone since they were nine or 10. Um, well, and, and so that, you know, changes their thing. And in, in that, I mean, there's just no way to keep up with the social media I think I talked to you while you were here a little bit about mm-hmm. when I first came. You know, I signed up for Facebook just because I wanted to communicate with students on Facebook. Well, I got all these friends and everything. Well, now I find that students in today's world don't really hang out on Facebook. I mean, some do. There's always, you know, the early adopters and the later ones, and some operate in different things. But basically, if I write on Facebook now, I'm talking to kids from eight years ago or six years ago. <laughs> Um, whereas if you want to be talking to kids today, you need to be on Snapchat and Instagram and, you know, uh, other things. So that whole technology thing just keeps moving and grooving, and and I don't even think you can keep up with it because, you know, every generation is going to have its own apps and likes about apps and stuff. What what about the spiritual uh, condition? Uh, of students has that changed um, over the years? Where, where, how would you characterize the students now um, at Roberts from a spiritual standpoint? <laughs> yeah, um, I just think uh, probably most of the changes that I would see are things that are 
are typically referred to in the whole postmodern kind of thing. I think students are more open to not one way of seeing things, but multiple ways of of seeing things, and much more individualistic. Um, uh, you know, stu- students um, coming in t- today have a a very individualistic sense of what God does for them and their personal relationship with God. Um, it's not as communal as it used to be. And even where there is communal stuff, there's kind of this appreciation for the fact that, well, God speaks to all of us differently and whatever God's doing in your life is okay. And whatever you hear from God is okay. And whatever I hear from God is okay. I don't hear the stuff, you know, when I was in college, there was a lot of this apologetic kind of thing of defending the faith. I think that scene is a little more rigid and, you know, proving your way against somebody else's way uh, isn't necessarily. So I think they're much more open in some sense. Uh, at the same time, I'm not sure there is literate in the Bible um, mm-hmm. as uh, generations gone by. Um, they they know basic flow of the, you know, they know the Jesus story, if you will that Jesus came, uh, they know basic things out of the Old Testament, but not tons. And, and so you may have stu- students who heard of Noah, but their understanding of Noah is just as much formed by the movie they saw as mm. re- ever having read the story themselves. Wow. Wow. So so they're much more Ill- biblically illiterate. Is that what you're saying? I think, uh, yeah, I think so. And, you know, it's because they don't read in general as much as generations before them. It's much more visual. So their understanding of the Bible comes from seeing visual representations of it, not as much reading. Again, these are generalizations. I mean, there's always students who love the Bible and read it every day and all that kind of stuff. But I think in general, um, it's, I find it quite often when I teach like an Old Testament uh, class that students may have heard of a verse, but they have no way of, they don't know how that verse relates to the context of anything around it. And, mm. you know, it's always been a problem that we can take verses out of context and everything, but I at least think that there used to be a worldview in which the way the Bible was read, it was read in such a way that you knew the story. But I'm I'm not always sure yeah. that people know where how things fit into the story. Wow. Wow. Well, my gosh, I mean, what are we going to do about that? <laughs> is, is there anything we can do about that? Um, are there are, are there classes that they they have to go to that are going to help them become more familiar with the Bible? Well, certainly right here. Yeah, I mean, uh, depending on their major and stuff, they'll get different classes. But everyone, we have, you know, general education classes that would include an Old and New Testament class um, that mm-hmm. kind of helps them with a biblical worldview and getting that. You know, I just think in our world today, there are people who are are um, doing different kinds of ministry. You know, I think that there's even, you know, apps like Bible that's out there or Version. Mm-hmm. Um that people are using that are trying to put these Bibles in people's hands and there's reading plans and, and, uh, you know, they read to you or, you know, uh, whatever. So, I mean, I think there are people that are saying there's got to be ways to do this. Um, I've seen some other people doing some great things as a group, 
they're called network of biblical storytellers that make it their point mm. to um they wouldn't call it memorizing scripture they'd call it um i forget the word they use it's uh it's more of this word that would talk about like learning it in the sense that it becomes part of you and you know, and they tell they tell the scriptures um and so you know they're trying to deal with the fact that we're in a world where people may not read as much and they need it dramatized they need it visual they need it in other forms so you know i think as we uh, are in the world we're in there are people like they always said that you know why cliff tried to trans bible translate bibles and all these versions that people could read it in their own language i think now there's people trying to say how do we put this word into language that people in our day understand is uh is part of the problem the whole postmodern thing uh john that um you know they're they're not their mindset is not that their the truth is an an absolute somewhere um is is that part of the problem yeah, I mean, I think that's part of the uh, part of the issue. Yeah, I mean, so there's openness and there's much more of an approach. Even when you come to the Bible, there's an approach that I hear. I God speaks to me through it, and whatever I hear is what it means. Um, there's not so much an mm. understanding that it, it has to be interpreted before it's uh, it can be applied. Oftentimes, there's a one for one translation. Oh, I read this, and this is what it meant, and so that's what it means. And maybe you mm. can read it differently, and that's okay. That's how God speaks to you. Um, so, you know, I don't think there would be as many students fighting about doctrinal things as there was, you know, 30, 40, 50 mm. years ago. Hmm. Huh. What do you think about that? Is that okay? <laughs> well, you know, there's always pros and cons with all that, right? I mean, there's value yeah. in not looking at all the things that make us different and look at the things yeah. that we are united in in Christ. But sometimes when we're looking at only the things that unite us, we're, we're boiling it down to, uh, you know, a very simple, um, a simple story, which again, there's advantages in, but I don't know that we all, we come up with a gospel that's very simplified and not nuanced at all. Um, and I'm never sure whether it's that it's not nuanced or whether we just don't know how we're living. I mean, uh, I think we all live out a worldview, and there's probably different ways people are doing that, but I'm not sure we're always aware of what we're living out. So it may be just we're not reflecting on our doctrine mm. <laughs> as much mm-hmm. as we're living yeah. <laughs> Well... Well, you know, I I uh, I asked Chandler. Um, uh, I think most of our listeners who follow us on the catch know that uh, Chandler is with me this weekend because I've been writing about it, and in our catch. And uh, I asked Chandler what he had observed so far about uh, the people and um, the the students he met, and. I, I thought it was very interesting what he said for a 16-year-old. He said that um, that there's there's a, a a lot of well, one of the things I remember he says there's there's a lot of Christians who 
who aren't paying attention. <laughs> yeah, and oh. I thought that was very interesting observation. Yeah, how they're it just should become familiar that there are so many different ways that people treat God and themselves, and some aren't paying attention. Those are his two most important things. Um, uh, wow! Yeah, that's uh, interesting what, observation. Yeah. What what do you take? Do you take anything from that? Um, Yeah, well, I think it's true, this issue of, I mean, if you read anything about millennials or Generation Y or any of those kind of groups and all that kind of stuff, I mean, there is this issue of delayed adolescence, you know, that people are taking longer to grow up and all that, and that's part of the economic Mm. system of our world and all that kind of stuff. So I think there are, sometimes there are these, um, signs that some of the students we get are viewing college as the new high school. And so, and as you ask them about, hmm. you know, what they're doing in their life, they're not thinking about defining what they're doing until they go to get a master's degree. You know, hmm. they see master's degree as the education that prepares them for what they're going to do. And, um, so I think there are some of them that are viewing, um, uh, these are ones who may not be paying attention to everything, right? Because they're they're having fun, they're enjoying life, they're um, you know their focus is on other things and their education or mm-hmm. the, the thing at hand. Um, um, and you know that's a typical thing that uh, you read about and all that. So I think that may be what he's picking up on there. Um, uh, colleges are notorious too for the whole thing. I mean, depending what major you're in, you're into different things, and it, it's easy to get siloed in different places. And and right, um, you might be different in the classes where you're with all the people in your major than you are when you're uh, hanging with everybody, kind of thing. So, but yeah, some yeah. interesting observations that he's he's making. There. <laughs> um, we talked earlier. About you, you, as well as being chaplain, you also you also teach, a, I believe, an Old Testament course, and um, mm-hmm. uh, I loved I loved to have you share uh, with our listeners. Our, our time is just about up, but I want to be sure and have you talk about um, what the Grinch has to do with understanding the Old Testament. I thought that was a great thing that you do. Tell oh. us a little bit about that. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, oftentimes I will uh, start the first day of class by showing the uh, old cartoon version of the Grinch who stole Christmas. Uh, it's only about a twenty minute, twenty minute, you know, twenty three minute kind of video. Mm-hmm. So I'll show them that and um, and just try to raise interest. Of course, they don't expect that in an Old Testament class, uh, but then I'll <laughs> ask them what it's about. And of course, they'll tell me what they think it's about because they've seen it all their life as children and all that kind of stuff. And they'll tell me what they think. Oh, it's about Christmas and this guy, you know, who's mean and he figures out that, you know, Christmas isn't all about toys and blah, 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 blah. And then I'll challenge them and say, well, that's a real possibility. Good answer, you know. Uh, Is it possible that it's also about racism? And they'll look at me like, are you some kind of weirdo? And I'll say, well, the Grinch is green and everybody else isn't. So, you know, maybe it's all about, you know, how they treat them bad and this kind of thing. And, and they'll go, wow, I never <laughs> thought of that. Because their postmodern view, they're like, oh, yeah, maybe that's one possible reading, right? And I'll say, or maybe it's about, you know, 
good health food and dental hygiene. And they're like, what? And well, yeah, that Grinch, you know, he comes and takes all the candy away from the kids. So he's really concerned for good health and these kinds of things. And, <laughs> and what I'm doing with all that right up front is trying to say, if you take any little 30-second clip out of the movie, right, and out of the story, you can tell the whole story differently by taking that 30 mm. seconds out of context. And then I'll try mm. to help them understand that's what we do with the Bible all the time. We take these little clips that we call verses <laughs> out of context, and we lose the whole meaning of the story when all we're looking at is, you know, the 15-second clip. And so, you know, I try wow. to, to help them ca- capture the big picture story of what the Old Testament's all about. You know, what is God doing and and how does humanity fit in and, you know, what is God up to in his world and how does that relate to us today? Wow. Wow. I love that. Um, just as, as we close here, one, one last thought. Um, what... You know, sometimes I wish we could get the same kind of thinking going on um, with adults uh, that we get in a Christian college. And um, uh, because I I think we have a tendency to think that once we become adults, this process of questioning and growing and being pushed beyond our limits – it's over. Like, like we've well, we've already answered all the questions. We at least, you know, got everything arranged the way we want it to be arranged. Um, I'm, I'm just thinking about most of our listeners who are listening here. How can mm-hmm. how can their life be? How can how can their life be more like a learner, like like a student, more like a college student, even though they're no longer in college? How how can we? Keep that thing fresh um, in terms of of growing and and and, and pushing into new frontiers. Uh, you got any ideas right. along that line you can share with us? Yeah, well, I mean, I guess in essence, I think it's a spirit of keeping the question ever before us. I mean, we can make mm-hmm. affirmations about what we believe, but be open to growing beyond w- w- what we've always believed, right? I mean, we can, and I think. You know, there's always questions. You know, when I was a kid, I mean, one of the first things you learn is the questions, right? Who, what, where, why, how, you know, those kinds of things, you know. And and so, I mean, to even have a discipline where I wake up every morning where I'm asking questions about things, you know, instead of walking out and, and you know, hearing 10 different birds sing and go, oh, those are birds singing, which is a statement of fact, right? Those are birds singing. I can walk out and ask I wonder what kind of birds those are, you know, Mm. and that, and just the question Mm. leads me to maybe figure out, Oh, maybe I discover what those 10 birds are. Right. And so, I mean, if we have this Mm -hmm. questioning approach to all of life, um, to discover what the 10 birds are, doesn't take away from my theology. Right. And I think the same thing is true. If we bring questions to the scripture questions to how we're living out our Christian life in church and outside of church, if we bring these simple questions to that, a simple question can carry us somewhere we've never been before. Wow. Wow. I love that. That's really great. Um, Thank you so much, John, for being with us. And uh, I I appreciate 
getting a little more familiar with what's happening with college students, but I, I love that last part. We've got to, we've got to keep questioning ourselves and keep growing. Um, Indeed. Yeah. Thanks so much. Well, thank you so great much to have you on campus, and, John. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, and we'll we'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Great. Thank you, God John. Bless. God yep. bless. God bless you. Well, there you go. You have it, folks. Don't stop questioning. Don't stop growing. Don't stop learning. Yeah. Until next week, Log Talk Radio. Good night. Take care. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.